Thank you, choir. That was, that's terrific. Um, you need to know that I, I've been fighting a throat infection all week, and uh, so I won't kiss you today, which I usually do. Um, but I lost my voice for a few days, and so usually you've heard me say many times I like to have a real strong coffee in the morning. And one of my children comes up because I, I couldn't have my coffee, <clears throat> and she said, they said, well, you know, Dada, God's a big coffee person as well. You know that, don't you? And I said, oh, really? Yeah, he brews. <laughs> so if you'll turn with me to Hebrews, that actually fits quite well. Um, and I'll just be honest with you. I was in bed for several days, and I just wasn't able to study Isaiah 9 like I wanted, or Isaiah 11 like I wanted to. So I, I went back to Hebrews 10, which is a text I've spent a lot of time with, and it's a sister text to what we preached three weeks ago, which was this from Hebrews 3, and I'll read it once more. It says, verse 13, exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 10 goes along those same lines, but builds on that with encouragement. Now, encouragement is hard because often we give little thought to the effect that our words or our silence has upon other people. Now, I want to read to you just a few of the Proverbs about the power of words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21 Good words can make an anxious heart glad. 1225. Pleasant words are sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. 1624. My friends, what does it mean to encourage other people spiritually? Is it more than just saying, oh, bless your heart? Is it more than just saying, how you doing? And if it is, how do you do it if the scriptures call you to? Well, let's read. If Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 and 26, just two verses this morning. I'll start at 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And we'll just stop there. Let me pray for our time. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Spirit. Thank you that every believer in this room has the Spirit of Christ. You've set us apart. We know we're called. We know we're elect. We know we're predestined because we know our faith is sure. Lord, not because of just a feeling but it's because the Spirit's work in our life gives us new desires, Lord, and new abilities. And part of that is to encourage each other. Lord, I pray today that you would teach us, mold us, transform us, and as a church, we wouldn't just be a church that has little trite sayings of encouragement, but we would be a people that takes a deep interest in one another's lives 
and focus our time and our heart and our affections and our attention on the care of how each other are doing, Lord, because that's what you call us to do. And through that, we would grow as a congregation in love for you and a desire to know and do your will. God, it's a lonely place to be a believer and not be encouraged. And I pray that that place would not be found in our congregation. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My wife, years ago, ran the Chicago Marathon. And for months, she trained and she ran. And she says that there was a, a hard stretch. How many miles a marathon? 20, 26 and a quarter on the front row. He wins. And 26 and a quarter. And there was a stretch in the last bit where her partner blew out his knee. I don't know what that means medically, but that's what he did. And she became very exhausted. Now, suppose I was there, which I wasn't, but suppose I was, and as she came around the bend, and he's limping, and I said something like this, you're doing great. Come on, five more miles. You're almost there. You can do it. Boy, you are a runner. I'm praying for you, to the Lord, to give you the strength. And you look very cute as well. She would perk up, maybe feel encouraged, feel strengthened, and take off in her race. Now, what if I said something quite different? They come around the bend. She's got five miles to go, and I'm standing there like this. And I say to her, babe, you don't look so good. Maybe running is not for you. Lacrosse or CrossFit, maybe, that's your thing. Running's definitely not your thing. Hey, it's just a bad day. Let's just quit and go home. Come on. You're not doing well. You're in the last five or ten people. There's nobody behind you. Just come on. Let's go. We can go to Chick-fil-A on the way home and redeem the day. It's been a terrible day. Now, how would she finish the race with that kind of message. If she did, she wouldn't do it well. Now, let's just say there's someone beside me, and they said, man, how can you say that kind of stuff to your wife? And I say, I just want to be honest. I'm a Christian. I need to be honest. I, I didn't want her to think too much of herself. I, I didn't want her to be set up failure. Now we would think those are ridiculous arguments for such discouraging language to someone who's struggling to finish a race, right? But in our Christian world, we often come beside a fellow believer who struggles, and that's exactly what we give them. Things like that. In Hebrews 10, there is a command Consider, it's a very strong word, consider, think about how to stir up fellow believers through encouragement to love God and to do His will. That's what encouragement does. You see, Christianity is calling us to be involved with people from beginning to end. But often, our involvement with people is not in the form of encouragement, is it? 
it takes a different form. Sometimes criticism, analysis, gossip, and if there's interest, rarely is it biblical encouragement. You see, most people are hurting more deeply than you know. And their relationship with the Christ is the one great place that they find healing and hope in God's people. And God is giving you, not just me because I'm a pastor, He's giving you the task and the ministry of encouraging each other in the race of following Jesus. Now there's a lot of obstacles to that ministry in becoming an encourager. I think one of them is our desire and conversation for self-glory. I want to tell you how great I am. And self-satisfaction. I want to just tell you a bunch of stuff that I want to tell you. Well, let me tell you a bunch of stuff I want to tell you. What I mean is, that was a joke. (laughs) Often we don't come to church with the intention and the thoughtfulness that we want to provide encouragement to others Often we come with a desire just to have my needs met. And that's certainly part of it because I come needing Jesus and that is the, the, the absolute right intention. But there's also got to be intention for ministry to other people. So imagine two people, and this is something I've seen again and again, in conversation. And usually the person speaking is talking and the person listening is kind of off in la-la land And what they're doing is they're just waiting for a pause so that they can interject something about themselves. So this person says, oh, you know, I had a bad day yesterday. My mom called and she's got diabetes. This person says, oh, you know, I've been struggling with diabetes for years too. This person says, well, my mom, she's she's wanting to come visit me and I'm not sure. This person says, you know, I love to go visit interesting places too. And so what you see, rather than questions, rather than interests, rather than taking God's word and applying it, it's two monologues as people are just wanting to express their own glory and their own interest to each other. And when a response is given, often it's just criticism or advice. So often our fellowship is warm, but it's not rich in encouragement. And we leave and we wonder Why am I feeling discouraged after leaving church? So my friends, how do we take up that ministry of encouragement, which is so necessary in our church? Well, here's the main idea if you're taking notes. Encouragement happens when the motive is love with your words and the target is someone's need. Encouragement happens when your motive with your words are loving a person and your target is their need. You've listened to them. You know what their need is. And you're able to speak loving truth to that. Does that make sense? So let's dive in. There's three things we want to see. First is this. We must encourage each other with our words. That's point one. That's a pretty obvious point. Got to encourage each other with our words. I want to define it for you. Encouragement are expressions that help someone want to follow Christ more, even when life is hard. It's expressions of truth from you that help and motivate someone to want to follow Jesus more and do His will 
even when life and circumstances are hard. Every Christian, regardless of gifts or training, is called to be an encourager. You've got a calling from Scripture to this. And the idea is not to just master a few conversational techniques. And I've told you this before, but Jennifer and I, we have these deep memories of being in Bible school and seminary, and we would run across particularly one couple, and they were first-year counseling people, and they would always say to us, now, what is it that you're not telling me? (laughs) What is it about your father that's going on that's causing this event? They had techniques. Encouragement is much more than that, okay? It's not communicating techniques. So how do we encourage? Well, I want to read to you Ephesians 4, verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those to hear. Notice, every word of your mouth are to be consistent in building up other believers. This is the great objective with all of our words to build up spiritual life and encouragement in other believers. Now that means you're not permitted biblically to utter anything that does not build up and push people towards Christ does not help them grow in grace. Not a single word should come out of your mouth ever that discourages someone in their race and tears them down in their faith rather than building them up. Now, notice the motivation. It doesn't tell us the words to say. It doesn't say only praise words, not convicting words, right? Because we need both. That's not the point here. It doesn't say you've got to end every sentence with praise the Lord or oh bless your heart or you're a blessing to me. Those are not the idea here. It gives the motivation behind our conversation. The motivation is to build up others with words that fit the occasion. You see, God is calling you to be an encourager. It doesn't mean learn neat communication tricks, but when your motivation with people is to lovingly meet their needs with truth after listening to them, real encouragement happens. Several years ago, I I can remember one conversation in my life uh, in particular where someone practiced this in a remarkable way. I was at General Assembly, which is our denomination's natural National Assembly, which happens actually next week. And I was just passing through all the booths, and there was an old Hebrew professor of mine, which I had had five years previous, named Jay Scalar. And I just walked by, and I was like, oh, hey, Jay, how you doing? And he stopped and took a deep interest in me. And I was aware that there were very important people there, people like Tim Keller and R.C. Sproul and lots of seminary guys and Ph.D.s and these other D's behind their name. And so I, I didn't want to take all of Dr. Scalar's time. And so after talking for a few minutes, I just said, hey, um, listen, I'll let you go. I see there's all these other people. And he stopped me. And he said, Rusty, I learned a long time ago that when God puts someone in my path, I want to give them my full attention. I want to ask good questions. 
find out what's going on in their life. And that's what he did. And I was a struggling pastor in a small country church where we had some real issues. And for 30 minutes, he asked me, how's your marriage? How's your ministry? What's your biggest challenge? How are you doing as a father? And at the end, with all these other people dying to talk to him, he prayed for me. He encouraged my socks off. For us, if we're honest, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to want to lovingly talk and meet people's needs. The the Christian brother who talks too much, sometimes we see him and we just want to go the other way. Or the sister who's so good at everything and has gifts that I don't have and I'm prideful of her and I see her and I, I don't want to talk to her. We just want to put people in their place sometimes. We want to point out their imperfections so they don't get too prideful. We want to move on to more meaningful conversations so we don't take time to allow God to use us. My friends, the Bible is calling us to ruthless self-examination in our words. Why do we say what we say? And I need to ask myself, are my words with believers, are they Words of encouragement to this brother and sister. Am I giving them grace? Am I building them up? Am I meeting their needs? We're never permitted to disregard the effect our words may have on others. I want to read you what Matthew 12 says. Jesus says, People give an account of every careless word that is spoken. Here's point two. Encouragement happens when the motivation is love and the target is needed. Point two, we must be concerned about encouragement. You've got to be concerned. Verse 24, if you'll look in your Bibles with me. And let us consider how to stir one another up towards love and good deeds. Do you see that word consider there in your Bibles? Consider. It means something like you've got to be concerned with. You've got to take care for you got to put your mind on something. You really need to reflect and think about it. Several months ago, Jennifer and I considered when we were buying a house, and we considered it. We reflected on it. We prayed about it for days and days, and that's what it's talking about here. Consider. Okay? Consider what? Look in your Bibles. How to stir up one another to love and good works. At the heart of encouragement is this word, stir up. It means stimulate, motivate, incite, provoke. And the idea is coming along beside someone who's on a journey with words that encourage them to press on even through difficult times. So our motivating words are to have a direction We are to consider very seriously how to motivate, stir up fellow believers towards loving Christ and towards doing good works. Okay, Rusty, I see what you're saying, but is this really that important? Can't we just get together and talk about Troy State football? Proverbs 28, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. My friends, your words can either be life-giving words full of encouragement that leads to great spiritual life in our church and in people, or death words, which tear down and destroy your spouse, your children, your friends, your siblings, people in our church. You see, 
Here's where the ministry of encouragement starts. When you are with other Christians at church, in small groups, in Sunday school, in coffee shops, you've got to consider, that's the command, you need to consider how you might be used to stir up, that means to push, to motivate someone towards loving God more and obeying Him more. That's what the call is here. There's a very well-known speaker who tells a story that when he was a young boy, he was in a church kind of like this, and they asked him to get up and pray. He was about nine. So he gets up and he prays, and this is what he prayed. He said this, I thank you, Father, for hanging on the cross, and praise you, Christ, for bringing the Holy Spirit out of the grave. Amen. And then he ran back to his seat, and he, was, he knew exactly what he'd done. Heresy! <laughs> I'm a heretic! I've got to get out of this church as quickly as possible. And he said the whole time, he sat there twiddling his thumbs, looking down, waiting for the benediction. And as soon as the benediction came, with tears in his eyes, he took off out the back door, and there was a man waiting for him. The man's name was Jim. And Jim said this, Larry... There's one thing I want you to know. Whatever you do for the Lord, I'm behind you a thousand percent, my friend. Now those words were full of love. They were aimed at his need. And they encouraged him to love and good deeds so that he speaks to people around the world now and has written books which you've probably read. One of the great differences between an encouraged church and a discouraged church is what the people are considering when we get together. What are you considering? Often our thoughts are, what's for lunch? (laughs) What's everybody wearing today? Am I dressed appropriately? Are they going to play the songs that I like? I sure hope Caleb preaches and not Rusty. (laughs) Our minds can be a thousand miles away. Listen. Encouraging others starts with a ministry mindset that says, I'm going to consider the needs of the people I'm with today and how I might love them and meet their needs with truth. Opportunities for ministry and encouragement will be unrecognized unless we consciously choose the goal of ministering to people as we talk to them. Opportunities for encouragement will arise as we lovingly focus on people's needs. And the goal is always to stir up brothers and sisters to a direction of loving God and doing His will. Here's the third thing. Third thing is, how does this happen? In relationships. In relationships. You know, some Christians develop a regular habit of not getting together with God's people. And therefore, they're not able to either be encouraged, like this talks about, be stirred up, or to encourage others. And whenever people develop a habit of isolating themselves from God's people, there's always a reason. And here in this particular text, they're fearful of persecution, and they've grown lazy. And they found other things to do. So how do you stir each other up to love and good deeds? 
The first answer he gives is verse 25. Don't neglect meeting together. It means the regular gathering together of a particular place to worship of God's people. It says don't neglect this. Don't abandon it. On a regular basis, you need to be getting together with God's people. If you're part of First Pres, if you don't like First Pres, there's a lot of other good churches in town. But you need to be getting together with God's people to encourage them, to be encouraged. Now, last few thoughts. To be able to encourage people well, two things have got to happen. Relationship and truth. Those are the two great ingredients. If the work of the teacher is to present truth on Sunday morning, then the work of the body, meaning your work, is to encourage each other with the truth that you hear in your relationships. Now, often we have relationships and we never encourage each other with those truths. And so what we're left with is deep relationships, but no truth. And sometimes when that happens, you have a church that's an inch deep. It's called a sentimentalism church. On the other side, sometimes you have churches and groups and relationships where there's nothing but truth, and there's no relationship. And so you don't feel like you really people are caring for you, and what ends up happening is you feel condemned because all you're hearing is relationship. I mean, is, is truth. And you don't feel like people really care for you. To be able to really encourage, we must live in community where through relationships we consider others' needs and speak truth. At a previous church, I got to know a lot of the families there. And one of the things I began to notice was there was a group of young men who were really excited about Jesus and their wives were not. And at first I thought, man, maybe these guys married non-Christian wives and maybe they were converted. But that wasn't the case. What I began to see was a pattern that was happening in the church, that these families with struggling, parenting, three or four kids would come into the church, and there was an older, wonderful, matriarchal lady. And when they came in, she considered them. (laughs) with their kids screaming and fighting and pulling on each other and not able to sit through church. She saw that they were struggling with their parenting. She didn't pursue relationship with them. She didn't ask them for coffee. She pounced. Quoting scripture, giving books, offering prayer, but never having or offering a friendship or relationships. This group of young women, they felt frustrated. They felt pressured. There was great friction. Truth without relationship. You see, my friends, relationships have always got to precede effective ministry. And if we are commanded to encourage people, if you are commanded to stir people up and to encourage them with truth, the only way to effectively do that is you've got to get together and pursue people relationally. You cannot live an isolated, lone sheep Christianity. How do we think and live this? Okay, Rusty, how do I do that? Let's close with four thoughts. First, be slow. Be slow in your speech. Proverbs 18, 13. He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. He who gives an answer before he hears, it's folly. In other words, 
Be slow, is what he's saying. Why slow? Because you are concentrating on their words. You're actually listening to them. You're hearing what they are saying. You're probing them and asking them good questions. You want to understand exactly what they mean and what they're saying. So you're slow to respond. Why slow? Because you're praying that God would give you wisdom and illumination to encourage them when the time to respond does happen. So don't just be slow. Second, be gentle. Proverbs 15.4 A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. Gentle words are not just softly spoken. (laughs) That's not what the Scripture means by this. It's not about tone. It's motivation. Are they loving words? Season with grace. That's what it means. Third thing, be selfless in your speech. Be selfless in your speech. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. My friends, I think this is one of the major obstacles in encouraging people is so often when we talk to others, we so desperately want to show our glory to them. And so we want to turn the conversations perpetually back to us. And that can be very selfish. Be selfless in your conversations. And I mean is take a real interest in time and what's happening in their lives so that then you can know how to encourage them. Last, what must be true of my life before I can encourage others? Last thing, Matthew 12. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus teaches us where the ability to encourage comes from. And it doesn't come from within. It doesn't come from cute statements, learning techniques. It comes from His Holy Spirit dwelling in you and the abundance of your fellowship and knowledge of Him. It is not about you having just the right words for people. It's not about you having postcard, hallmark-type answers at just the right time. It's about you communing and fellowshipping with Jesus Knowing Him, having your heart filled by the Holy Spirit in your daily times of worship and when we get together corporately so that when you are with someone and God opens the door and they tell you, I'm really struggling, I just lost a child. I'm really struggling, my mom has cancer. I haven't seen my husband, he's been working night shifts. You can take the truth by the power of the Holy Spirit and stir them up to loving God and doing good works. It means stirring him up towards trusting him more. And that doesn't come from you. That comes as an overflow of your time with Christ. But the ministry is yours. The calling is yours. The ability is his. Amen? Father, Lord, I want our church to be the most encouraged church in town. I want people, Lord, and I ask that when people leave here, they would feel spiritually stirred up, that their heart would be spiritually on fire to worship you, towards loving you, and they'd want to go out into the world and display that through good works and good deeds. Oh, Lord, and we're part of that story. It's not just hearing a sermon. It's fellow brothers and sisters. God, and that means we need to die 
sometimes to a selfish desire to tell everybody how great I am or always turn every story back to me. God, help us to have a healthy view of talking about ourselves. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But God, give us a place to listen, Lord, to die to ourselves, to ask good questions, and to minister gospel grace, the power of the Spirit in people's lives. And I pray this in the name of our mighty Savior, the great encourager of our souls, Jesus. Amen.